Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Robert Turbin joining us now in the Emerald Pink Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Turbo, happy Friday. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. I'm out here in Vegas. There's a lot of stuff going on, but a lot of good stuff going on. Having a good time so far. Uh, I don't know if you can tell my voice is, 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 is trying to go away somewhat, but uh, it's all good. Now, Turbo, uh, at Vegas for this Super Bowl, there are a lot of famous people. Not that obviously, uh, as a former NFL player, you aren't one of them, but have you seen anyone where you did a double take and you were like, wait, is that? You know what I mean? Man, I saw Mace. I chopped it up with wow. Mace. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, I saw Mace. That was dope. I saw, uh, who else did I see? I saw, uh, who's the UFC? Dana White, even though I didn't really chop it up with him. Uh, he was, he was a small dude. I didn't think, I didn't know. Like, I feel like he couldn't get in the octagon. You know what I'm saying? But it's always how it is. It's all good. I didn't chop it up with Dana, but I did say what's up to him. It, it was kind of, it was kind of cool because I was walking through the hotel and I saw Bobby. So I saw oh. B-Wag. And I gave the wags a hug, man, and, and uh, we were talking. And then uh, Dana walked by, and I think I think he recognized the wags, you know. And then so he stopped and said hello, and we kept on going. So I saw him. Um, but other than that, I think Mace was probably the big one. I saw Baron Davis. Uh, that's probably yeah. Uh, you know, not somebody everybody knows, but yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool. I've been I've been running into a lot of. Uh, you know, cool people, both in sports, outside of sports. It's been great. Well, we just got to make sure that you're staying hydrated because they, they don't have water readily available for, for a lot of people there in Vegas. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point, man. For real. It really is. I'm like, man, my voice is trying to leave me. It's probably because I haven't been drinking enough water out here, you know? So uh, so I've been I've been staying on top of that. Well, we appreciate. We're glad you're staying on top of drinking water there, Turbo. We we need you to stay hydrated and no one passing out here. Uh, you only have a couple of days left in your trip to Vegas, but uh, Turbo, just want to get your quick reaction. The Seahawks hiring Cowboys defensive line coach Auden Durde as their new defensive coordinator. Not a lot is known about this guy, but when you look at what the Cowboys have done defensively over the last few years, uh, what really stands out to you about the the success that they've had on that side of the ball? Well, it's clear as day, their defensive line, right? You know, we can look at, you know, some of the players that they've had uh, and over the last three years as a coach. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? I struggle with it. Durday. Durday. So as Coach Durday has been coaching his defensive line over the last three years, and you look at, you know, the, the, the Dallas defense as a whole, I mean, it's the defensive line that stands out. They've got some good players elsewhere, but, you know, you look at the linebacking position, not really a highlight for their team. And the secondary, really, aside from this year, uh, well, and last year, obviously, when as Diggs had a great rookie year, uh, they've, they've been kind of suspect, you know, to some degree, at least on one side, uh, of, uh, of the football, but the most consistent position when you think about the Dallas defense over the last several years has been a defensive line and coach there. has a lot to do with that. 
um, as it pertains to that uh, that specific position group. Now, I think that position coaches are oftentimes overlooked because of the talent that is on the field. So you can look at DeMarcus Lawrence, who's had a great career. You look at Micah Parsons, who's had, you know, he hasn't even had a long career yet, but just a little sample size that we have, you know, uh, he's been dominant. But I tell you what, man, those defensive line coaches or those position coaches in general are huge factors in the development, uh, especially of young players and how they're able to perform at a high level on the field. Hey, speaking of coaches, now this has nothing to do with one of the teams playing in the Super Bowl or with the Seahawks, but I totally thought D'Amico Ryans would win Coach of the Year. Instead, it goes to Kevin Stefanski in a really close vote. Stefanski was deserving, but what did you make of uh, D'Amico Ryans not getting that one? Yeah, you know, it was, you know, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but, you know, you look at the Texans and they basically went from worst to first. I mean, they completely turned uh, that, that franchise around. When you think about the Browns, you know, although the Browns were uh, in some pretty sticky situations uh, this season, you know, over the course of the past few seasons, they've been held in somewhat of high regard, especially on the defensive side. And Kevin Stefanski has had success with uh, Baker Mayfield and other quarterbacks that have kind of come through uh, that team. And so I don't want to take anything away from Coach Stefanski, but nobody expected anything from the Houston Texans this season. Not at all. The fact that they even made the playoff uh, was a huge accomplishment for that franchise. And so a little bit surprising there, but uh, you can do nothing but congratulate Coach Stefanski. He puts in the work as well. Turbo, you've played in a couple of Super Bowls. Take the people into what it's like from a player's perspective, sort of the Friday and Saturday before the Super Bowl, because Friday during the week is usually when things kind of start to shut down in terms of letting the outside noise in. So what is it like in the 48 hours leading up to the Super Bowl? Man, I'm going to tell you what, man. You uh, Listen, uh, hopefully uh, nobody gets upset with me right now, but you know, a couple, couple of days, like in the beginning of the week, it, 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 it's chill, it's fun. You're doing media day, you're cracking jokes, you know, and obviously you're still locked in, but you have some natural distractions that you have to deal with as a team. And they're fun. You go bowling, you do some things together as a unit, uh, et cetera, man. But when you, when it, when it's, you know, 48 hours, you know, it's like, you know, holy ish you know what i'm saying like hey you know it's it's really about to happen like we're about to play you know in the biggest game uh in american sports uh this is this is really going down everybody is going to be watching globally uh not just in 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 the u.s you know you've got uh people from all over the place i mean you asked me about what celebrities i've run into i mean these guys are going to be at the game. I know you guys saw, uh, you saw that, uh, you know, Money Mayweather. I didn't see Money Mayweather, by the way, but his, I saw the TMT. I was on the freeway, and they cut us off. They what? Just, they like, merging the onto the freeway, <laughs> And they cut us off, man, when we were just, you know, we were trying to do our thing. But I was like, oh, snap, that's the TMT, uh, you oh know, the, 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 the van or whatever. So, anyway, uh so I saw that. But anyway, you know, he bought a, a suite that was like, I don't know, over a million dollars or whatever. But anyway, it brings the stars out, man. And so 
48 hours before the game, you think about it, you're like, oh, man, you know, and if you got a crush, maybe you got a crush, you know, that's a celebrity crush might be at the game. <laughs> I mean, you got all kind of weird thoughts that are going through your mind, but it's like, man, it's really go time, and I've got to be, I got to bring my absolute A game uh, coming up on Sunday. Do you remember if any point during the Super Bowl, with either, but I'm guessing the first, uh, that you kind of felt like it was a normal game or the entire time did it feel like, no, this is the Super Bowl? Nah, it felt like the Super Bowl. Like, you you can, I, you know, you can, you can say what you want to say. Coaches yeah. can say what they want to say. When you, when, you, when you arrive at the stadium and the ball kicks off, does it turn into a normal game? Absolutely. It, just, it, it turns into, all right, boom. You get that first hit in or that first play in, okay, we're just playing football. All the nerves kind of settle in. But everything before that, it's, the, I don't, it's not week one of the season. It's not it, playoff game. It's, there's nothing like it, the yeah. buildup to it. Uh, it. It's absolutely the Super Bowl. It is, uh, it's in a league of its own, uh, and you certainly are thinking about it that way. Did your second Super Bowl trip feel any different from the first, or was it still just kind of, uh, you know, a bundle of nerves playing on the biggest stage? It, nope, it didn't feel different at all. Um, I, I would say the only thing that felt different was the fact that, you know, we I've been here before. From an experience standpoint, you knew what you were going to get into during the week leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, uh, and all of those things from a distraction standpoint. But, you know, as it pertains to the nerves and the things that you feel leading up to the game, uh, that doesn't change because it's a new challenge. Like the first Super Bowl, it was like, man, we're playing against the Sheriff, man. It's Peyton Manning and it's some of these guys on defense, DeMar- uh, DeMarcus Ware and, and some of the great players that they had. And then the second Super Bowl, I mean, it was like the next greatest guy, Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, damn. Like, it's like, it's crazy how you, it's just the, the opportunities that present themselves in these games. And you're playing against some of the other great players that they have, you know, on the defensive side. Some of the guys, we, we, were, we were training uh, at, at, you know, in Arizona at, uh, at Athletes Performance Institute for the combine together and now we're playing against each other in the super bowl that's mm-hmm. crazy so it's so it, it it's definitely uh the same nerves and feelings as you as you have even if you played in one before it's so fascinating to hear you talk about it because you know as a fan i sometimes get this feeling that like oh uh i bet for patrick mahomes this just kind of feels routine and it's like nah it doesn't matter if you've been there you know one, two, three times, like you still know how important this is. Um, when you're looking yeah, at these two yeah, teams, yeah. yeah, I I know the 49ers are favored. Um, do you have a hard time kind of picking a side? Like, can you see the case for both, or do you feel pretty confident that that one of these teams in particular uh, is going to dominate? No, I, yeah, no, I can see the case for both because the Niners are the better team. If you look at it from top to bottom, you know, uh, from a roster standpoint, you know, they have – better playmakers mm-hmm. on their on their football team. Uh, and you can argue that they have better playmakers on both sides of the football. Now, I think it's a little bit closer on the de- defensive side because the Chiefs are really good on defense, and we know uh, that the Niners have some marquee players on the defensive side of the football as well. But offensively, it's a no-brainer. But the equalizer is Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And, you know, he's the, you know, he's the dynamic, you know, he's the X factor 
Oh, I won't call him the X Factor because I think Isaiah Pacheco is a quote-unquote X Factor. But Pat Mahomes kind of brings it all together. He's one of those players like a Magic Johnson or Chris Paul or even a, a, a LeBron James to a certain degree that elevates the play of the people around us. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to – like Lamar Jackson is the type of player is like, oh, I'm going to take over and do what needs to be done to win. But that doesn't always elevate the play of an Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman or Mark or whoever else is on uh, the, the, the offense with you. But with Patrick Mahomes, when he gets into that mode, he does become this really natural distributor and the people around him – Really, they, they play above their their actual limitations. Uh, and so that's the big difference maker, and that's why it's hard to pick who's going to win this game. Turbo, you look at the other starting quarterback in this game, it's Brock Purdy, and everybody has an opinion on him one way or another. You know, maybe he's a game manager. Maybe he's an actual star quarterback. Uh, what would a Super Bowl win do for the conversation around him? Well, it it puts him in, you know, in a elite category. He's a Super Bowl winner, yeah. quarterback. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like that, that automatically puts you uh, in a category that is separate from, you know, other great players and other, you know, elite players. Even when, even when you're a, uh, like even for me, guys, I was a, I was a, when we won a title, I was a backup running back to. Marshawn, but I'm seen differently than other backup running backs when we're in the same room. Just because I was a part of a team and I contributed to a team that that won the title, you know, so it even expands further, you know, when you're the guy, when you're the starter. You know, Brock Perry's going to have to go out there and, and make plays. You know, at the end of the day, Joe Flacco won comeback player of the year and you know, he's seen in high regard because he was a Super Bowl winner. You know, he was a part of making some critical plays for the Ravens, you know, back when they won that title. And so, yeah, I think the conversation um, continues to evolve when it comes to Brock Purdy as it pertains to him, you know, being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, he's proven that during the regular season, but then when you – and he's proven it in the playoffs. But then when he won the title on top of it, uh, it just takes you to extraordinary heights. Super Bowl win changes everything, and Turbo knows that. Robert Turbin is a Super Bowl winner, Ben to two, and he's kind enough to join us for some insight on the biggest game of the year on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Turbo, have fun watching this one. Thanks, Turbo. I will. Yeah, you too. Peace. See ya. The 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards are coming up February 15th. K.J. Wright, former Seahawks linebacker, is this year's host, and Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Chip Kelly will be hired by Ohio State to be their new offensive coordinator following Bill O'Brien's departure for Boston College. What's the real headline? So, guess he's not Seahawks offensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah, it's happening. I think that takes him off the table for us. <laughs> it was a fun conversation to have over the for last couple days. days. Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when?
when Chip Kelly was maybe the offensive oh, coordinator? Oh, man, for what a hours? crazy 24 hours that, that was. was. wild. And I'll now, never forget his time as Seahawks offensive coordinator. <laughs> never. Seahawks legend. It's one of my favorite running bits. T.J. Lang. Yes, is yeah. when it's like Devin Esther or like uh, Adrian Jerry Peterson. Rice. Adrian Peterson, comma, Seahawks legend. Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney, Pro football Seahawks legend. Famer. I'm claiming him. Um, now, this is obviously someone who was never officially with the Seahawks, though we did entertain the idea of it. And now we're waiting to see who is going to be offensive coordinator. And I'm wondering whether a name, they've been connected to Tanner Ingstrid, who's the passing game coordinator for the Lions. But I'm wondering if they're interested in a name that's maybe on one of these two teams. And I haven't done deep digging. That's that's normally Bump, who's more familiar with coaching staffs and, and who might be a fit. Um, but it's been a theory that plenty of fans have pointed out on the Mac and Jack's text line, so I wanted to address it. Yeah, one name I've seen on San Francisco's offensive staff is Brian Greasy, who was a NFL quarterback for a number of years, uh, was the quarterback for Michigan and the last time they won the national championship. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I, I had a thought that I couldn't stop and stifle. Your coordinator's names would be Greasy and Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a grimy group I'm of coaches. I'm just saying, like, it's, I, I just realized that. I would I love did. that. I, the words leapt out of my mouth, and I couldn't stop myself from interrupting. One, well, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba oh. selling bounty towels right Come now. <laughs> like, it all, it, it all works. Uh, yeah, so Chip Kelly not in the Seahawks' plans, and then they go and hire Auden Durde from the Cowboys to be their defensive coordinator. Things are starting to come together. The OC hire really the last one, I think, because they've hired a linebackers coach. Outside of this, the minor coaches. Yeah, for Carl Scott's things. back. Yeah, but I mean, uh, once you get the you can't do that until you have your OC. Once right. you get your OC, that's when you're going to bring in your OL coach, your running backs coach, all the other guys that you want. I don't know if they've hired any of those smaller position coaches, but you also, and this is something that um, Brady Henderson pointed out this morning with Brock and Salk, or the other morning with Brock and Salk, uh, you need to fire or uh, figure out your OC because in a week from today, you need to figure out whether or not you want to keep Geno Smith on yeah. the roster. Big decisions to be made. Headline rewrite. Dirty and greasy. <laughs> I just I can't get over it. I can't get over I it. I want to see it happen now. I do too. Will Anderson was voted Defensive Rookie of the Year last night. Devin Witherspoon finished fourth in voting. What's the real headline? Yeah, Jalen Carter getting more votes than Witherspoon does nothing to end that conversation. Does No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's just what those two will be linked, at least here in Seattle. I wonder if... I'm still okay with Devin. I don't think Eagles fans think about Devin Witherspoon no. as much as we think about Jalen Carter. But they didn't need as much now. Here's what's funny. During the draft, my thought was the Eagles don't need as much defensive help. End of season, their defense was a hot mess express, yeah, but so was Seattle. So we can't yes. really point the finger. I love the pick of Devin Witherspoon. I do still think the Seahawks need to find a great defensive lineman. Maybe Leonard Williams is the one they bring, you know, maybe they bring him back with a contract. They're probably going to want to pay him or they won't, but his agent will want to be paid uh, more than Dre Jones. So you're going to have two somewhat high priced uh, defensive linemen, which is fantastic if they perform for you. All good and fun. And then you'd still have Boye Mafe on a rookie deal. But if they don't perform, and if yeah. you don't get another great year out of Boye Mafe, you're once again looking at a defensive line and out of front seven that just needs more help. Just get some dudes. Yeah. Now you have hope that McDonald, who did a lot with Jadeveon Clowney, had a career year in his fifth team. Maybe he gets a lot out of guys, but Jadeveon Clowney is also a former first overall pick. Now, I know he's 30 years old. And you can't really point and Just be like, well, miracle. whatever. He's on a football field. I know, 30. but, I, but yeah. I'm no, saying yeah. like the idea of he did His something best with football nothing. football days are probably behind him. He is behind him, but he, he still had a higher ceiling. Yes. So that idea of like doing something with nothing. I think he did something with a guy people had given up on, but there was still 
talent there yeah. to work with. I think everybody's got their their sights set on like Justin Matabuike, yeah, who had what thirteen sacks. Led them in sacks, yeah. Yeah, this last season, I think everybody here in Seattle is kind of like, oh, maybe maybe well, that's a guy, Queen, Patrick yeah. Queen too. Uh, there's a lot of unrestricted free agents on that side of the ball for Baltimore. They can only choose to franchise tag one of them, so. They will have, uh, the Seahawks will have their pick of guys from that Ravens defense. Headline rewrites. Christian McCaffrey and Nick Bosa are reportedly not happy after the fire alarm Uh-oh. went off at the 49ers hotel oh, no. at six in the morning. What's the real headline? I want to make fun of them, obviously. Um, but to be fair, is anyone happy when you wake up before your alarm? I've actually never no. empathized with a professional athlete more in my life than waking up seven minutes before your alarm is supposed to go off. <laughs> And then it's just like, well, do I sit in bed and maybe look at my phone for a couple minutes before I actually have to get up? Yeah, or, I can't go back to sleep. Yeah, or do I just get up and, and get ready? It's it's a brutal feeling when, whenever that happens. But it also is the 49ers, so I don't really so feel that I, bad. <laughs> so maybe I don't <laughs> I don't care feel that bad. Now we've had uh, uh, two mysteries uh, today from today's show. Number one, who pulled the fire alarm in the 49ers hotel? And number two, who took the 200-foot radio tower out of Alabama? Will we find the answers before the end of this show? I don't think so. I think this is something that we just will never know. Um, And maybe the answer to both is someone who's on substances. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Taking a 200-foot radio tower, I I will never get over that. Uh, the only other inexplicable thing I saw this week was uh, somebody climbed the sphere in Vegas. Yeah, and made it to the top. Yeah, and then he got arrested. Yeah, but I mean, worth it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't go do it. No, that. absolutely not worth it, but but impressive. It, yes, that is a, an impressive climb. Have you seen, like, because the sphere itself, it looks like it's all just like one giant screen, but it's actually like individual... Mm-hmm like bulbs and stuff so i bet that dude was just you know oh i bet he broke a few yeah well he probably also was climbing it like he would climb a rock wall yeah go to rei REI, yeah either way i love the sphere i think it's very very cool but i like that uh people joke how ridiculous it looks when it's like spongebob or like just how weird (laughs) it is to have this giant very clear image of something um also fun uh fired under uh maybe drunk people doing things all the footage from the phoenix open slash waste management open yesterday our guy brandon Gustin is is there he texted us he at was at the 16th hole 50 a.m i don't know how many beers in yeah but, but he looked <laughs> like he was having fun I, his face was a little red i don't know enough about golf and so i'm sorry you guys can criticize me if you want but i didn't and i didn't understand the culture around this specific event and I'm in love it's with it. The most hedonistic, just debaucherous golf it's event so out funny. there. Yeah, and it's specifically the 16th hole. Normally, it's played in better weather. Yeah, because it's in the Phoenix area. But yeah, that place goes nuts every time there's a hole in one on the 16th hole. People are throwing their beer in the air. Mm-hmm. I'm not a golf fan either, but I will catch some of those videos, uh, those reaction videos on the 16th hole. All right. Well, the Cowboys have a new defensive coordinator. The Pro Football Hall of Fame for 2024 has some new names. And the NFL has a new international destination. All of that coming your way next. 
Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Coming up in 15 minutes and you can send in your suggestions. Our favorite Super Bowl moments ever. Obviously, we have Seahawks ones on here. Uh, mostly from Super Bowl 48, I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, but I don't recognize any other Super Bowl well, in this town. Well, it would be Jermaine Curse's catch, but unfortunately, I've oh, never yeah. rewatched that Super Bowl a day in my life. Same. So, I, will, I could not. Couldn't be me. I don't, I don't think. I think we skipped day. 49. I don't think we played yeah, it. Yeah, went 48, 50. That's uh, canon. Uh, our favorite Super Bowl moments uh, for all teams coming up uh, in 15 minutes. You can send yours in to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. We are going to start with the new Pro Football Hall of Fame class announced for 2024. Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, Devin Hester, former Seahawk, Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson, and Steve McMichael. This is also of no Curtis. Earl Thomas and Marshawn Lynch are going to appear on the ballot for the first time next year. That'll be a fun ballot. I think you can make a Hall of Fame case for both of those guys. Depending on, yeah, it'll be hard for, I think, both of them to get in on the first try. Yeah. But I think there is a day where we see both of them wearing gold jackets. Uh, this year's class, though, Julius Peppers had such a long career, was so dominant with the Panthers. Patrick Will is a short career with the 49ers, but he was amazing. Devin Hester, I guess it's the controversial pick of this year's class. Sure. I have always thought he was worthy of Pro Football Hall of Fame induction because kick returning is a facet of the game, and he was so much better than everybody else who has ever returned a kick. Like he had, I think he had 19 return touchdowns in his career, 14 kickoffs and five punt returns. That's ridiculous production. Mm-hmm. I know people are kind of mad today that Antonio Gates didn't get in this year over Devin Hester, but I think Hester is is very deserving of a spot in Canton. Can I also, with the, I'm talking specifically Marshawn Lynch, but with Earl Thomas and Marshawn Lynch being on the ballot next year, I always wonder this balance when you're talking about Pro Football Hall of Famers between overall impact on the game or cultural impact Mm -hmm. and overall contribution. Like Marshawn Lynch was obviously a phenomenal starter. He was uh, with Super Bowl teams and great Seahawks teams. He has over 10,000 career yards. Unfortunately, that doesn't put him anywhere near the top 10 in all-time yards, which start... Uh, at around 12,000. All-time leader, obviously, Emmett Smith with 18,000. I don't know if that's getting touched ever again. But um, when you think about cultural impact, everyone knows who Marshawn Lynch is. And he was also with two Super Bowl teams and was a huge part of those teams. Yeah, one of the more unforgettable personalities in NFL history. And, I mean, he was the thing that made everything go yeah. on that offense for the Seahawks in the mid to, or in the uh, 2010s. I think we're going to have to really adjust how we view running backs in terms of Hall of Fame candidacy going forward because you're not going to see guys have the 400 carry seasons anymore. You, I, I think Emmett Smith's rushing record is probably going to be one of the more untouchable ones in NFL history. Like guys like Adrian Peterson just don't exist anymore in the mm-hmm. NFL. So like looking at that position from a different lens going forward, I think that is what uh, – is really going to need to happen in order for a lot of these running backs that have been great, uh, but are just playing in a different era than those guys that were playing back when 2000 yard seasons were a little more common. Derrick Henry with the last one. I think Derrick Henry is a future hall of mm-hmm. famer for oh, sure. Absolutely. Even though his numbers aren't to the level of like, you know, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, anything like that. But 
I mean, if you had to give the ball to you know a guy in, in to get you a, a first down, like Derrick Henry and Marshawn Lynch are probably very high on that. Well, list. and once you had Calvin Johnson going in, we started. Yeah. Now I know this isn't a running back, obviously a wide receiver, but we started to I think recognize. Okay, maybe you didn't have the longevity of other people who went into the hall, but if at any point you were the best in the league at your position for a, like consecutive years or a mm-hmm. series of time or you defined an era for your team, how do you not belong in the hall? And I think you can say that about Derrick Henry, that there was a period of time when we just all unanimously agreed this is the best running back in football. Yeah. And by a period of time, I mean several years. This is the best running back in football. He will absolutely take over uh, you know, a team. He can dominate a defense, and he's the reason their team's doing what it's doing. Whether or not he ends up getting those career yards or playing for quite the period of time, you're right. Like, I think we'll start altering those definitions mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, all right. Next story here. Uh, MMQB's Connor Orr and Albert Breer reported the NFL has a new international destination for a regular season game in 2025. They're going to play in Madrid, Spain. Madrid, Madrid Spain. At not the Ibiza. home of uh, Real Madrid. So mm-hmm. 85,000 seat stadium. No idea who, who the teams are going to be for that game, but another expansion of the international games. Uh, I think the I think the stadium that they use in Mexico is undergoing like massive renovations, so they weren't aren't able to do a Mexico City game for a f- couple of years. Uh, but I imagine there's going to be a, just a crazy crowd there in Spain. Eighty five thousand. That's a huge stadium. You know, it's funny is it's basically like a college stadium. And yes. Big it's like, it's a, like, OK, so Auburn. you went to watch uh, Auburn. You went to watch Michigan. How big is uh, uh, Ann Arbor's? That, I think they're the biggest. I think it's, it's over like, 100,000. Yeah. God, that's insane. Yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, next up, uh, former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer has been named Cowboys defensive coordinator. Cowboys obviously lose their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. He's now head coach of the Commanders. They've also lost their defensive line coach. Uh, Auden Durde is now defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. So they bring in someone who knows defense and has found success. Zimmer, former head coach of the Vikings. Yeah, and Zimmer was a longtime assistant with the Dallas Cowboys. I have heard that no one can swear like Mike Zimmer swears. Oh, really? Yeah, that dude's a sailor. That's he does, I don't think he does it in his press conferences a lot, but I have heard that that guy can cuss like nobody's business. Who does the most here? Dave Wyman. On the air, Dave no. Wyman. Uh, yeah, I yeah. was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't realize that you can't say certain words. Yeah. On uh, the air, bump. Oh, yeah, Bump is. They're tied. See, I would have Bump and Wyman tied on and off air in terms of. I've I've personally had to dump Bump more than I've had to dump Dave. Really? I've had to dump Dave more than I've had to dump Bump. Now that's surprising to me. Yeah. We're moving on. (laughs) Jets owner Woody Johnson. I think that's a, a, a. a banner that Wyman would have in his house. Oh, like, he would gladly. He'd be so proud of that. Yeah, he'd be up there. Wild card series winners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jets owner Woody Johnson was at NFL Honors last night. And he was asked if backup quarterback was a priority. He said, you need a backup. This one stinks. And we didn't have one last Ooh. year. Oh, my God. Dang. God, kick Zach Wilson while Bump's he's not, down. Bump's not here to back up his guy, Zach Wilson. So I'll do it for him. Okay. Woody Johnson. You haven't had a backup quarterback in like 40 years, buddy. You haven't had a starting quarterback in 40 years. (laughs) Nothing changed. Yeah. Like if you're the common bond between all those Jets teams that have stunk forever and ever, 
Maybe it's time to start looking at yourself. So I'm ruining my own four down territory, the the fourth one uh-huh. coming up here, but I'm going to do this anyways. This is one of the more interesting conversations to me is the impact of vibes, the mm-hmm. impact of an owner on their team, because there are certain organizations. And if I say name a bad organization in the NFL, regardless of their record this past season, you guys are looking at organizations like the Commanders, Maybe you used to look at the Lions, not anymore. Uh, maybe you're looking at, um, you used to look at the Bengals, not anymore. Yeah. The Texans, um, the Panthers right now. And you can say about all of these organizations, and I'll throw in the Jets, that there's a very, it's hard not to look at ownership and start to question like, okay, where does that, mm-hmm. where does a problem start from the top down? Yeah. That was the case in Houston for a long time. I think that Jerry Jones is a factor, despite Dallas's regular season success, in their postseason failures. Yes. That's a pet theory of mine. Jerry Jones, I think, still builds his team as though it's still the 1990s when he did have a lot of success and won three Super Bowls almost immediately after taking over ownership of the Cowboys. But obviously, that's just not how football is played anymore. You can't just you know go out and get whoever the flashiest superstar is on your team and hope that that is the fix for everything. Um, Another team that's kind of changing the way we think about them is the Lions, for sure. Dan Campbell has added a level of credibility to that organization that they haven't had in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was the first time in my lifetime that they had ever won a playoff game. To your credit, people used to question whether the uh, then Ford family were doing the right things i don't i just think they were like so hands off that that, like they didn't really care so much it also depends on who you hire like paul allen was exceptionally hands off but i think was willing to apply Mm. a little more pressure behind the scenes and held had a healthy organization that was hired beneath him so i think sometimes what happens is even if you have an owner i i don't know that this happened in detroit but i know this happened with washington obviously you have an owner whether he's hands off or not when you're in charge of an organization, if you don't stop a toxic workplace, it doesn't take long for that to just seep into everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think I wouldn't guess Woody Johnson has a toxic workplace. I don't know, but the Jets have struggled for a long time, man. And uh, I don't, I don't know that you can point the finger at Zach Wilson and go, "This is why." Yeah, no, I, I think that there's other reasons in New York for their long-standing stink. Yeah. All right, our favorite Super Bowl moments. What are some of yours? Text them into the Mac and Jack's text line. You'll see if they make the list. Coming up next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. What's your favorite Super Bowl moment? I know many of you will have picks from Super Bowl 48, but think outside the box too. Give us some uh, of your favorites from any Super Bowl you've watched. I obviously have a couple from Super Bowl 48. One from Super Bowl 49. Uh, but I also have some from other Super Bowls. I don't have any from Super Bowl 49. 866-979-3776. Send your answers in. Curtis, what is one of your favorite Super Bowl moments ever? Well, I, I mean, obviously not Super Bowl 48. You know, I'm going to go with my guy, Nick Foles. Oh, that was Philadelphia fine. Eagles. Uh, the play of the game being Philly special. This could decide the game. Fourth and goal. 
I remember where I was watching that Super Bowl. I was at home, where I spend mm-hmm. most Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like getting to watch a somebody I went to college with, somebody that I like have had interactions with before, be the Super Bowl MVP, uh, was one of the craziest like sports watching, sports viewing moments I've ever had. Uh, I couldn't have been a more proud Arizona alum that night. Uh, that to me stands out in, in recent Super Bowl history, not just like them beating the Patriots, uh, but also with one of the most unforgettable plays in, in Super Bowl history. Um, that was going to be my first. I really enjoyed that Super Bowl. I think Super Bowl 52, it was uh, I, I, I high think scoring it was, game. It was a high scoring game. It was really fun. It's also one of those things where the environment you're in impacts it. Like me and a friend went to this dive bar that was mostly empty. So we just like ate a ton of food and had the TVs to ourselves. It was really fun. Um, (laughs) My uh, so I will go to my second. You know that you have one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history when that play has its own Wikipedia page. (laughs) And that Wikipedia page is the helmet catch. You already know I'm talking about Eli Manning to David Tyree. And pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Inside the 25 and a timeout taken. That's Troy Aikman also says, I don't know how he got out of there because Manning is being brought down. And I, I watched this Super Bowl. We were with my family. It was my sister's birthday. And um, it was, we were all obviously rooting for the Giants. Um, and uh, and this was just, it, it, this was one of the best Super Bowls and one of the best plays in the best Super Bowls ever. Yes. The drama of the moment, because it was in the final, final two minutes. Yeah, it was third and five. They needed that first down to just keep the, chances of them winning alive. I think it was a really low scoring game at that point. I think it was just 14 to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing though, with that play, Stacy, that I think doesn't get talked about enough. Do you think Eli Manning's forward progress was stopped? Cause it feels like watching that play back, the refs might've let that play go a second too long. I haven't reexamined. As starting from when I saw it as a much he like, younger. He gets like swung out of the, the pile there after about a couple seconds. Is it that borderline or is it obvious? Uh, I, it, I I haven't rewatched the play in years. I don't want to take, the, the ma- take away gonna, from the magic gonna, of the play. I'm not going to bring this up on my phone right now. But. but. There is a part of me that wonders, like, let let me live. Did my Eli chi- Manning get stopped? Can you let me hang on to my childhood memory, please. I will. Thank I will. You. I well, won't take quite away childhood, from teenagehood memory. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's another one you have? Uh, another one that I have, uh, specifically from Super Bowl Forty Eight, is Percy Harvin taking the second half kickoff back for a touchdown. Short kick. Percy Harvin with the catch. He's on the run. He breaks free. He's across the 40. The speed. There he goes. Midfield. Look out. He's going to go. Take the second half kickoff all the way back. Baby. 88 yards for a touchdown. Seahawks. It was at that moment I knew the Seahawks were going to be Super Bowl champions. They were they were up 22-0 at halftime, which is a yes. huge lead. Yes. Uh, but when it became 29 nothing immediately out of the uh, gates in the second half, it was just on cruise control after that. It was like, oh, okay, we can get the party started 
a couple hours early. I'll throw in, that was one of mine, and I'll throw in a couple of people had uh, Cam just absolutely destroying Demarius Thomas uh, and a couple Cam Chancellor plays, uh, a Malcolm Smith play in here as well because I'm going to go to another Super Bowl, so I wanted to give a shout-out to some more of those plays from Super Bowl 48 because we got to represent Super Bowl 48 mm-hmm. in here. Um, another play... Uh, and this, I, I don't know if this is it for everyone, but this is a personal one of mine, uh, because I had somewhat more recently, I wasn't in, I watched football when I was little, but I got really into it, uh, more so as a teenager. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the early times I remember going, this is awesome. (laughs) And it is very, it's the 2006 season. The year is 2007. Now, you know, a movie is going to be good when you're Mm, two minutes into the movie and it's there's already explosions and there's already an action scene and you're like I am on the edge of my seat they wasted no time getting to this that is how I felt about Devin Hester's opening kickoff return touchdown against the Colts I know that the Bears didn't end up winning but I loved that play in that moment that's how I want a Super Bowl to start I want a touchdown on the first play Tony Dungy in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl Said time and time again, we are not kicking to, to Devin Hester. We're not kicking to Devin Hester. And what do they do right out of the gates in the Super Bowl? Well, they went and kicked to Devin Hester. Oh, no. And then Devin Hester went and returned it, what, like 90-something yards for the opening score of the game. It was at that moment where I was kind of like, okay, maybe the Bears are a little more for real here. But then, unfortunately I for them, know, Rex Grossman played like Rex Grossman. They couldn't get anything going against the Colts defense. And then Peyton Manning did not have that great of a game from what I remember, Mm -hmm. but he still did enough and got his first Super Bowl ring. Uh, 29-17 final score. It was what I remember from that game is that it was like pouring down rain for most of the night. I just, I, it's, I remember wanting, and I don't know why, because I did like Peyton Manning when I was younger. I remember wanting the Bears to win. Um, but I, I, you know, it's weird. I don't have a memory of Peyton not playing that well. All I have a memory of is Chicago going off for two touchdowns in the first and then doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> doing absolutely nothing uh. after that. Uh, so it was, a, it was a memory that I'm sure, I'm sure Bears fans would be like, no, please don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. But, hey, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that moment, and I loved that we got started right away. The action, you know, kind of off towards the end of the game, but it was a fun way to start. Okay, we got time for one more if you have one. Uh, let's see here. My another Super Bowl memory that I have. Let's see here. Or I have one more if you don't. Uh, Rams Titans. Hate to bring it up, oh, Mike Lafko. No. But there was the 75-yard touchdown pass from Kurt Warner to Isaac Bruce that gave the Rams the late lead, and then. Uh, Mike Jones tackling Kevin Dyson at the goal line at the very final play of the game. Like, I can't imagine what little Mike Lefko felt in that moment. I bet he doesn't want us talking about it. Probably now. not. My last one was going to be um, the Chiefs being down 10 in the fourth against the 49ers, oh, yeah. that 44 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. And it, it changed of course, everything. This is in an era when they have mic'd up right now we're getting into more recent uh super bowls and the play was jet chip wasp and you see uh patrick mahomes just kind of taking over and that's when i also started watching that going this guy is so confident like this guy Mm -hmm. like this is his team and we already knew that we knew he was great 
uh, he'd been MVP, but I don't know. It's just, it, it's a very cool play. I was rewatching it earlier and uh, it obviously started the Chiefs uh, comeback in the fourth, an ultimate victory. And here they are again, these two teams meeting in Super Bowl 58, just a few years later. We're going to preview that game coming up next.